Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And welcome back, everyone. This is 72 Nations Commerce Call Podcast, an international outreach in many nations, flowing in the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day, ministering divine healing under the leadership and under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, guiding the church in many nations during these days. Hallelujah. With speakers, Elvis Iverson, Errol Anderson, Betty Olson, and Lois Volkers. Hallelujah. Praise it's the Betty. Lord. It's Betty. She's Amen. finally here. <laughs> Amen. Welcome, Betty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, after this conference call, this will be uploaded on anchor.fm slash 72 nations. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And, and um, our next, um, our next um, meeting will be on will be September ninth and then and then August seventh and then November eleventh. November eleventh, which will be last for this this year. Then we'll start out in in um January um and we'll have in January we'll the first um when we do it it will be um Lois and Betty and then and then Apostle Sean will be ministering and me and Earl will just be the host. We'll just you know be the and Apostle Sean, he's um, from China, and he will share his testimony. Hallelujah! How he came to know Jesus Christ. He was um, planning on committing suicide, and and God, um, the Lord spoke to him, told him, "Don't jump." So, and uh, he was just an atheist. So, Hallelujah! And now he's you know going into the into the um, courtrooms of the. Of the senators and congresspeople, and telling them to repent. Hallelujah, glory to God, and they are not stopping them. Hallelujah, because he is Chinese, so and he's very smart. He's a scientist. Just um, so praise the Lord. Hallelujah, glory to God, and Amen, and Amen. Hallelujah. In September, um, we're having Errol Anderson over in Omaha, Nebraska. Hallelujah. Amen. For a three-day meeting, he'll be here on the 22nd, and the 23rd, and 24th. I'll be in Omaha, Nebraska. Amen. He's, um, I'll be um, posting that. Um, and people ask the RSVP. Hallelujah. And and our meeting on September 22nd is a Friday. It's at 7 p.m. Then Saturday, the 23rd, is at 2 o'clock, and then. On Sunday the twenty fourth is at two o'clock. Hallelujah! Praise God and and come and and be blessed. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah! Amen. And and then and in October I will be in the Philippines. Hallelujah! Praise God in the Philippines. Hallelujah! Praise God in Canada. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And I will be speaking. Amen, hallelujah, on the 17th, 18th, 19th, and the 20th, hallelujah. Four um, nights and then um, three um, day meetings on the 18th, 19th, and 20th, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Glory to God, hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise God. Amen, hallelujah. To God be all the glory, hallelujah. Amen, hallelujah. Praise God, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, let you, the Lord and Father of God come now. Let the soaking presence come now. Let the revival presence come. Let the revival fire come now. Pour out your signs on us. Pour out the Holy Ghost right now. 
and the seven spirits of God, release the seven angelical watchers of God, and outpouring of angelical hosts of God. Increase the fun levels of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We speak grace, grace, grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. And and before we um, get into it, I mean, if you are, are whatever nation you are on, whatever nation and, what, and those are calling, please visit ElvisIverson.com and click on the contact page and tell us where you are calling in. And give us your um, contact information so we can get in contact with you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Um, praise the Lord. Amen. Um, Betty? Oh, yeah, Betty. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to share a little bit from Acts, probably a little bit of Matthew, too. Um, what, I, what I liked about Matthew, we might go back later to the Sermon on the Mount, I see in one translation of the Bible, it calls it, it's the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that exciting? The kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount is the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. That's something interesting to study at a more, another time more deeply. But I want to take you a, little, a few things in Acts. The church of, the, of God's kingdom today is not walking in the power and the authority that God created it to do. We're called to do great and mighty works for the kingdom of God, and not too many places this is happening because we've somehow lost track. I think leaders in the past have infiltrated the church to wash down what God wanted in Christianity. So I'm going to share a few scriptures from Acts here. <clears throat> it says that Jesus, after Jesus had risen from the dead, he taught them the truth of God's kingdom realm. And shared meals with them. He he stayed on the earth for a few years, few days, and and forty days, and spent time teaching them of God's kingdom realm, and sharing his meals with them. He came back in the spirit, in a spiritual body. He still liked to eat, and I'm I'm excited about the banquet table in heaven when we get there, because I still enjoy food. And I thank you we get to enjoy it. And then in verse 6 in the first chapter he said, But I promise you this, he says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be seized with power. And you will be my messenger to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and distant, distant provinces, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. His kingdom was to come to cover the whole earth. But notice that. You will be seized with power. We haven't been seeing a lot of the power in God's kingdom. And I'm praying that each of us on this hearing this today will realize the importance to be filled with the Holy Spirit greater than ever before, that we may be seized with that power. And, and in, this, in the first chapter, a little further down after verse 8, it says, All of them were united in prayer. And gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. We need that unitedness in prayer. We need to be gripped together in passion for his kingdom to come on this earth. Then I'm going to skip over to chapter 2. I'm reading out of the Passion Bible today. <clears throat> it said, one on the day of Pentecost was being filled. All the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly... 
they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from one of one of the heaven out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering it was all any wood could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated them into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never heard. Can you imagine the excitement when all of this happened? It had to be overwhelming. I was led to the Spirit of God by a man who had been an evangelist in the Lutheran Church. This was back in 1965. Um, And this evangelist had been traveling the country for the Lutheran Church. And wherever he went, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And people would have tongues of fire on their heads. They would feel the wind. It would be so strong. They would come outside and there would be fire trucks looking up at the steeple of the church. There seemed to be fire, but nothing was burning. And the firemen couldn't figure out what was going on. This happened in 1960s. And this was in Minnesota. It was exciting. Through him, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was a a marvelous time. Tongue the fire didn't fall on us that night. But I mean, we were excited people to come into God's kingdom in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which changed my life so tremendously. Then I'm going to Acts 2. It says, this this is Jesus speaking. He said, "This, this is from the prophet Joel. God says, This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause my sons and daughters to prophesy. And your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the lift earth below blood and fire and pillars of cloud will appear for the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before the great and awesome appearance of the day of our lord but everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved isn't that a marvelous promise everyone who calls upon the name of the lord will be saved but i think we're stepping into the stage of these mighty wonders that he talks about. And there's so many times when the Lord talks about it. And it's in the Bible that this will happen. Then I'm going to chapter 2, verse 45. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God. This is what he wants of us. This is what he wants us today. Rejoicing with God and sharing meals together with hearts full of the joyful heart of the Lord. And it says, and they are filled with praises to God. How, we, how joyful it is to be together with like people, those that walk with Jesus and praising the Lord. And being in his presence, it's the most glorious thing we can experience, the presence with Jesus. Then I'm going to chapter 3. And now you must repent and turn back to God. 
so that your sins will be removed and so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. And he sent them Jesus, the Messiah, the Chosen One, for he must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things take place, fulfilling everything that God said long ago through the Holy Prophets. For Moses had said, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet from among you who is like me. Listen to him and follow everything he tells you. Every person who disobeys that prophet will be cut off, completely destroyed. God will be sending, there will be wonderful prophets coming from God at this time, but there will be false prophets. So we need the mind of Christ. We need his anointing. We need his presence to realize We hang on to the Word of God. We pray for this revival to come. We pray for His anointing to come. We pray for His glory to be on this earth as it is in heaven. We pray for God to use us mightily at this time. We are all called into His kingdom to do great and mighty exploits. Lord, guide each one of us. Let your anointing and power and presence be mighty upon us. Prepare us to be vessels of honor at this time. As your kingdom comes through us, in us, around us, with our family members, our friends, our neighbors, as we pray for politicians, we need godly politicians. We thank you, Lord, for a great anointing on our pastors to be fired, to be in the fire of the Holy Spirit, to be come forth with power and authority with your glory. And God, that the love of Jesus would permeate this planet. The power of the Holy Spirit would permeate this planet. That your name is lifted up, dear God. Your name, Jesus, is lifted up through us and through those who hear this message as we come into the fullness of your kingdom at this time. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, before... Um, before Lois comes on and, and um, hallelujah and then Errol, I want to talk about the coming fires of God in Malachi chapter 3, hallelujah, verse 2 and 3. It says, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire with a land or soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. He will purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Hallelujah. Back in um, 1995, I was um, in Glen North Dakota. Lord gave me a vision. This is the first um, well, first profound prophecy that I ever gave, but, but I prophesied before that. And, but this is like a different level. And I saw this 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 fire that came from the sky, and this was judgment against the false apostles, false prophets, and false brethren, and witches, and warlocks, and psychics, and and judgment against the cabal, against those who have committed treason, treason against the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the church, and the inhabitants of earth, and and so and 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 then and then I saw the. Then I saw the fire of God came upon America, and and it came in six areas, and the seventh was a combination of all of those fires. And um, um, Rick Joyner and Todd Bentley and Bob Jones had similar prophecies like that. Hallelujah! 
They they go to ten cities, ten areas. Um, but anyways, this first fire was was in Grand Forks, and I believe that that, that has um, it's coming in Laramore. And then the next was was Omaha, Nebraska. The next one was Kansas City. The um, the next one was in the, in the south where um, where the holiness movements and just as in Kentucky and Tennessee and and um, and in Mississippi and and um, the deep south. And then the next one was up in um, Rochester, New York. Um, and then the next one was um, in um, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, where Azusa Street. But the seven was a combination of them, and this was hallelujah. But anyways, hallelujah, the Lord told me, he said, that when revival comes, it will come in the time of judgment. Hallelujah. It will come in the time of judgment. And and so, so the fires of judgment are coming. They're coming to many nations and many governments. They're coming to the lukewarm. The, the 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 cold heart, the hard heart. The Lord is not looking for the lukewarm to repent. He has not come for them to repent, but to remove them. To remove them so that many people can come to know Jesus, for they are standing in the way. They are standing in the way. They are standing in the way. So the fires of judgment are coming. And, and and then the fires of revival are coming. The fires of revival. Hallelujah. It is time for revival. But it's not like we're not not like in the past. In the past. Hallelujah. The, the church was never to be without revival. God wants to restore the revival of life. Every believer is to have revival on a personal level. And then the church is to have revival on the corporate level. One lie out there is that revival is not from the church for the church. That's a lie. The God wants the church to walk in glory. What is revival? Is the glory of God on earth through the church. Hallelujah. The Bible says in first Peter chapter four, verse seventeen, it says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Who do not obey the gospel of God? And we see the fires of church reformation. God wants to reform the church. The local church is not the will of God for the church. It, it, the fader type of church, it, it, it just hinders the believers to walk in the priesthood of the believer. It hinders the fivefold ministry. There's only room for one guy. It's a pyramid scheme, and God is it, it wants to establish what was what was in the book of Acts. Hallelujah! But more mature. There's the fires of social reformation. The Lord, the church will lead in social reformation. Our societies, the societies all over, need badly a reformation in society. Because we have lost our ways, and this is for our children's children's children. Otherwise, you know, if 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 if, if this does not come, there will surely be a curse upon our children's. They, not my children, not your children, but but upon the earth, because of the wickedness that is coming forth. And there will be counterculture movements in the earth too. Hallelujah! And then there's the fires of divine secular reformation. 
which is the Holy Ghost is behind it. God's behind it, but this is in, in this is in government. This is um this is uh, um God sovereignly moving among governments and nations, hallelujah. To bring order and because and, and, he hears um he does not like the injustice that is going on, but the blood cries out. The blood cries out, the innocent blood cries out. Bible says in Matthew thirteen Hallelujah. Matthew 13, verse 39. Hallelujah. It says, The enemy has sown them in is the devil. The enemy who has sown them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the weepers are the angels. Well, there is, when the, when the wheat's about to be harvested, the, the, the harvest of terrors come. The harvest of terrors. Yes, we will see the harvest of terrors that begin to come. The first harvests of terrors will begin to come in our time. These are people that attend our churches week after week, hallelujah, but have no productibility. They do not hear the Holy Spirit. They're just there just to stop things. They're just there to bring stones and throw stones. And then there's the harvest of souls and nations that shall come. The harvest of souls and nations. And it's time for harvest. The Lord has spoken to me that harvest is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the harvest time. This whole terror battle that was going on for a couple of years in, in America and around the world is to hinder is to hinder the coming harvest. But at the same t- but God has turned it around to prepare even a greater harvest. And 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 the Lord showed me about five um, different um, stages of the harvest. There's going to be um, carols, carols, supernatural blitz harvest that were were suddenly huge, huge numbers coming to know Jesus Christ. This is to help to build the momentum. Amen. Because God needs a people that will obey Him, and right now He He, he does not have those people. Okay, He has a remnant, but even the remnant. Is tired, is tired, and 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 only few of them obey God. So God will raise up a people. And then number two, there will be there will be a grace of continuous harvest that will come after that. And then there's number four, the ways of harvest, ways of harvest. Like when the Lord breathes back, He begins to raise the people. When He breathes forth, um, um, uh, souls are one to Christ. Hallelujah. And then number five, there is mass, massive harvest of souls. Massive harvest of souls. These are harvests that cover huge areas, huge nations. And and um, one thing is is the word that God gave me this is a couple years ago, apostolic static, where where people will be loyal and commit. This is not like the Billy Graham um, crusade. This is going to be like um, people are going to be so committed and anointed because the, uh, there's just going to be just a radicalness of grace in these harvests where people are so committed to the anointing that's upon certain individuals. But those individuals will build the kingdom of God, will build the church, but not build their name. This is no no more celebrity, no no more no more of these celebrity leaders, um, but downer, meek and humble, submissive people that live a life of consecration. Hallelujah. And and the thing hallelujah 
The Lord is going to restore the dominion of the church, hallelujah, and establish the government of the apostles and prophets, hallelujah. And then the nations of the day will begin to realign among them. Hallelujah. And God wants to, to release a restoration. A rest, uh, uh, we're coming into an age of restoration and acceleration for, among the nations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Among the nations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And, and so um, before I give it to... Um, before Lois and then Arrow, um, um, I will be in the Philippines, and I just want to shout, shout this out that, that anyone who wants to um, give any donations to help with this, and this is the beginning. I I just did a um, I paid a prayer list on prayer list on on Elvis Iverson YouTube channel. You go to YouTube and enter Elvis Iverson. There's a playlist, and it's called the it's it's called Elvis Iverson World Tour. The golden, the golden um, gate of fire and signs and wonders. Hallelujah! And I'm going to different nations every year. Hallelujah! Praise God! And so, um, if you want to support this work, Hallelujah! You can make your checks payable um, to Supplication National Ministries in a memo rate donation. Then you mail to Supplication International Ministries, P.O. Box eight one three two, Omaha, Nebraska six eight one zero eight. Also, you can give through the Cash App. And, the, and that and that is um, the money symbol. And then it's S I M Omaha, or you can give to PayPal, which is um, PayPal.me slash S I M Omaha. Praise God! If you want to know more about that, um, if you want to repeat those, that you can um, contact me afterwards. Hallelujah! At S I M at com. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Amen. Lois. Okay. <clears throat> Well, thank you, Lord, for all these reminders from Betty and Elvis already. I think I think what's so unique about the body of Christ is that each of us is called in a different way, in a different area, but is speaking to our hearts each day as we open our hearts to him. He's been speaking to me lately of um, just the last couple of weeks how important the characters written in the word of God are. And each of them are listed in the Word of God for a reason. And they're to show us um, how to endure things on life and to give us encouragement and hope. Hold on, hold on, Lois. Can everyone um, press um, star six except Lois so that so then there's no back feedback? And then, hallelujah. Okay, um, Lois. Okay. You can go, yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, so I'm I'm talking about the body of Christ and how each of us are uniquely called. And the Lord's been reminding me over the years how not to compare myself with other people. I used to think if I could only be like this, if I could only be like that one, if I was if, if I was different in different ways. But the Lord told me one day and he he speaks to each of us that we're each created uniquely. We started with him. He designed our our bodies, our life. I believe he placed us in this time or whatever time we have been born in for such a time as this. I believe he placed us in families. I believe he placed us in um, in areas of the country, of the world, for a specific purpose. 
And he desires that we each reach out to him and hear his voice and learn where we are to be and what we are to do. And as Betty and I were sharing yesterday, we can ask him every day, every morning, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Proverbs says, man is to plan plan his days, and the Lord is to direct his steps. And that reminds me, um, the Lord's been speaking to me of a couple women in the New Testament that I'm just going to share a little bit about each one today in Acts. Um, 15 and 16, Paul and Silas are on their second missionary journey to encourage the believers from the first missionary journey. And I think it's so beautiful how the Lord shows us that Paul and Silas, who were sent out from Jerusalem to encourage believers, especially Gentile believers, um, that they had to listen to the Holy Spirit. They had to discern what was the Lord's voice, and what was their desires. And as I, as I read about Paul, he had such a desire to reach people who have never heard before. And so he had this zeal within him, the zeal before he repented and came to know Jesus um, was a zeal to persecute Christians. Afterwards, it was a zeal to reach those who have never heard before. And so um, as, as Paul and Silas traveled northward, they desired to go uh, north into Asia, and the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go that way. So then they tried another way, and God led them to specific cities. And um, I think it's so interesting. I read um, someone had done a research on Paul's missionary journeys, and the second missionary journey consisted of 3,050 miles, 3,050 miles, and it would take 100 days. That's if there weren't no storms on the sea. I think Paul was on the second missionary journey. Um, There were storms on the sea. There was um, walking and getting tired, hungry, and finding things to eat just on a journey. He went from the mountain range, I think it was two mountain ranges they had to pass over or around into different valleys. And so back in those days, they had a lot of Roman roads. I think there was 58,000 miles of Roman roads, which was wonderful. They could follow the Roman roads. And of course, that brought them to major cities. So... um, Another thing that was interesting in Acts 15 and 16, and it's the same in our lives, how God leads and directs each of us. And then he intersects our lives with other lives. Now, Paul and Silas didn't, they had planned in their minds what they were going to do and where they were going to go. But Holy Spirit said, no, go this way or go to this city. Stay here for a few days. Or sometimes at night, they had to leave at night because people, um, mobs were stirred up, angry at what they were preaching about Jesus. And uh, so they had to be very intensely, intensely uh, discerning the voice of the Holy Spirit leading them. So coming to um, Acts 16, 15 and 16, it talks about um, Lydia. Meeting the first woman I'm going to talk about is Lydia. She's a certain woman, Acts 16, 14, and 15, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, 
of the city of Thyatira was one who worshipped God, heard us. Her heart was opened by the Lord to listen to the things which were spoken by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So as I'm reading about Lydia, I asked Holy Spirit, did you show me about her? And as I was thinking about Lydia, she um, she was a, seemed like a strong, very strong woman. She was a businesswoman. She was a seller of purple. And a few years ago, I had read about this purple dye that was taken from uh, snails, small, very tiny snails from the ocean. And they had, the snails had to be crushed for this purple dye to come out of. And it took thousands and thousands of little snails because this dye was so permanent, they would um, dye wool and linen and sell it to only the wealthy people. And if you, if you look at how it was made, you know, the sheep bore the wool. You had to take the wool off the sheep. You had to cart it. If you've ever seen anybody take wool and cart it or um, work at it to make it fine so they can make it into, uh, like, strings and then uh, weave the strings together, it's so much work. So only the wealthy people could afford to buy this. And she was a seller of this purple raiment. So she was a strong businesswoman. Um, when I when I read about the characters in the Bible, I always go to their parents. And I think of how critical and important our parents are. And um, I was raised in a home, in a Christian home, and my mother taught me that with God, I could do anything I desired. So she gave me a hope within me and a strength within me um, to be more independent. She always said for uh, the three of us girls to get a profession. And so um, if anything happened in life where we needed to um, provide for ourselves, that we would have the uh, profession to go into and work. And so... Um, Strength from my home um, was very important. My mother was always also an intercessor. At night when I was just very young, seven, eight, nine, I would go, our, all our bedrooms were upstairs, and I would go upstairs and pass her bedroom, and she would be kneeling by her bed praying. And I, I think back to that, and I think, wow. I never heard my mother condemn me or uh, come against Anything I was choosing to do in life, I knew she was always praying for me, though. And so that's the importance of the home. Proverbs says to train up a child in the way they should go. And uh, another translation says the way that God has purposed for that child, the way they're bent. You know, in our two boys, I could see our first son, had strengths in working with people. He loved people. At three years old, he wanted to go to school. He was ready to go to school. He wanted to be with other children. He was, I could just see he was, he was going to be working with people. And today, that's his first love is working with children and uh, special ed children. 
And he, he said he's called to the dark places. He knows where his calling is. And God has given him a, a gift of communicating with people. Our second son, I could see, was more of a, um, wanted, liked to be alone. He liked to fish. He liked to fish alone. So he would have me drive him to all the little streams and rivers around our, our farm and our area. And he would fish. He was eight, nine years old. And um, so I, I saw a different strength in him, more of a quiet strength, a very quiet strength. And so you learn to honor what's in your children and pray for them, that God lead them and direct them, and that they hunger and thirst to walk with God, to know God, to repent of, of their sins and to come to know Jesus personally so they know his voice and can fulfill everything they're called to do. And also with the calling on our, on our lives and our children, um, we have to seek God for whatever it is. We can take, um, often take the natural things he has put within us and then move from there. Um, in my life, uh, it was just natural to help people and to take care of from the time I was small to take care of animals, to take care of um, little friends in school that were always left alone, or people from another country who would come to our, to our school. And when they felt alone or were they, they were left alone, I would try to, to befriend them. That was just something God put, put within me. So God put strengths in different ones of us. And as I look at Lydia, she had a strength to be a businesswoman, she also had um, she had a hunger to know to know that there was a creator. So somewhere along her life, people shared with her some of the Jewish people, and she began to worship their God with them. So she began to trust in one God, uh, Yahweh, and worship Him with other people in the city who also worship God. But she had a I believe she had a hunger for even more than that. She didn't know Jesus uh, had come. She didn't know Jesus was the Messiah who gave his life, gave his very blood for our sins, our sicknesses, the peace of our mind, our healing. And so um, one day as, as Lydia was walking along on a Sabbath day, she knew people um, and friends met for prayer down by the river, outside the city gate. And so she went there for prayer. And at that, at that, on that Sabbath day, that was when God intersected Paul and Silas's life with Lydia. You see the importance of, of following the Holy Spirit and intersecting our lives with, with the right people at the right time. So Lydia listened with her heart. She heeded what Paul was saying. She was hungry and thirsty. And, and, you know, the word says several places that when we hunger and thirst, God, God will meet us. If we seek him with all our heart, he will meet us. In my life, that was the same way. I was always hungry for more. I didn't know there was more. I was told there, there was no more in my uh, denomination. But I was always hungry for more. I believe Lydia was was hungry for more. And Paul and Silas, led by the Holy Spirit, not to go to certain cities, but to go to um, 
across the Aegean Sea to Philippi, where um, Lydia was, their lives intersected. The word of God was spoken. The truth was spoken that Jesus is the only way to the Father. He said he's the way, he's the truth, the only truth, and he's the life. And when Lydia heard this, her heart, which God had opened, um, her heart was ready to receive Jesus, to repent of her sins and be baptized. She went to her household. She had a household. They don't, you know, the word doesn't say if she um, was a widow or a single woman, but she had a household and she shared right away with them, like we do with our families. When God has touched our hearts, um, we desire our families our children to know him as we have learned to know him. That's our first desire. And so she went to her family and her household, perhaps some servants, and um, she shared with them Jesus. And they were all baptized. And um, through history, um, I think it's so interesting, Lydia is said to be the first convert in Europe. And I thought how interesting how God intersected lives so Lydia could hear the word of the Lord, hear the truth, and God opened her heart. You know that um, the word says that we cannot come to God unless he opens our heart, unless he draws us. So I am so thankful God kept drawing me and that my heart was soft and open so that I could come to know Jesus be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and and find my calling, and find where I am to be. Um, you know, I live in an area, uh, Elvis talked about Grand Forks, and um, I live in uh, close to that area. And when I, when I moved out to Laramore, 30 miles west, um, I asked the Lord one day, I said, um, how, how is this city to be reached? How is this little city of like 1,200 people? There, there doesn't seem to be much fellowship out here. Uh, many that really are hungry for you. How are they to be reached? And as I was driving uptown one day, I crossed the railroad tracks and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, if you are faithful to the ones I put in your path, then this city will be reached. If every believer is faithful to the ones I put in their path throughout the world. Whatever country we are in, whatever state we're in in the United States, if we're faithful where God puts us, he can reach the world. And I was, wow, I was shocked. I said, okay, I can do that. And the Lord began leading me to people, to other, other women around me in this city. And so we each have to be faithful to the calling God has put in within our, within our hearts. I think it's interesting that when um, when Lydia, a businesswoman, a seller of purple to the wealthy, came to know Jesus as her Savior and Lord and began to know him as her good shepherd and hear his voice, she then realized, I'm sure she realized, she had a new partner in her business. And, you know, after my husband passed, I was left alone uh, making a lot of decisions with the farm. I had to literally lay my hands on the um, the things I had to talk the lawyer with, the CPA with. I had to lay my hands on all the paperwork, on the bills, on the money that was coming in. And I had 
I still have to just ask the Lord to lead me, guide me, direct me, give me peace. Like Colossians says, let the peace of God be the umpire in all your decisions. And just like Paul had to seek intently to know the voice of the Holy Spirit, which direction we have to do that today. And I tell you, one of God's name is faithful. One of his names is faithful and true. He has been so faithful to me. And he will be faithful to you wherever you are, whatever. Just yield whatever you have, whatever's in your hand. Sometimes I say, Lord, what am I, what am I called to do? What am I to do right now? He said, what's in your hand? What have I put right in your hand right now? And sometimes it's to work on the farm things. Sometimes it's to go visit someone. So whatever is in our hand that God has put in our hand, that's what we're to use. What was in Moses' hand? The rod. God used that rod. What was in um, Lydia's hand? Her business. So she could give her business to the Lord to serve him. So her new purpose when she met Jesus, the Messiah, was really to serve him. That's our purpose, too. And then she had the satisfaction of knowing another name of God, of Yahweh, is the Prince of Peace. We need that peace in this life. And when we walk with um, the Lord Jesus, we have the Prince of Peace living within us. So we can, we can go to that peace whenever we need it. We can call on that peace. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life is peace, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, gifts for ourselves, gifts for others, and, and gifts for the Lord. And so Lydia has... Um, I really related to Lydia in so many ways. And someday it's going to be so fun to 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 know her and talk with her in heaven the other um woman that i'm just going to share a little bit about is uh, luke 7 it's a woman um with the alabaster flask or the alabaster box and um, she has no name in the scripture in this scripture in luke 7 she has no name but we're still talking about her thousands of years later and um, as I was reading the story oh, a few months ago, the Lord, he just, I read the story over and I saw how she was, she was drawn to someone who was pure and holy. And so are we, we're drawn. Uh, Ecclesiastics says that we, uh, God has put eternity in our hearts. So we come from God, we're designed by God with a purpose from God. So that longing is always in our hearts. And Romans 1 says, I go back to that all the time. Romans 1 says creation is calling out. Creation is all calling out about the glory of God, that there's a creator. And so we're drawn by creation. We're drawn by eternity in our hearts. And this woman in Luke 7, um, the word says she was perhaps... um, an immoral woman, perhaps a prostitute. And um, you know that God looks at our hearts. He looks at our hearts. Her heart was drawn to someone who was pure and holy. She wanted to know her purpose in life. 
she was probably tired. She was probably, like we get, we, we're searching for meaning in life. Everybody's searching for meaning, whether they know it or not. And so um, this is what the Lord said to me as I read. He gave me, in, in poetry form, he gave me the story of her life. And then it ends with what we offer God. So I will read that to you. I brought my alabaster flask filled with its precious oil. I held it in my hands a year of sweat and toil. I stood behind the crowd so still and so unsure. Something deep was drawing me to someone who was pure. My heart beat fast, so fast, I pressed in from behind. I could no longer wait. This was in God's design. I broke the alabaster box in love. The oil poured down like rain. I showered Yeshua with anointing for a king. My tears, they would not stop. I bent my head so low. My thankful heart and all within began to overflow. Yeshua gently touched my head, began to bless my life. He once again proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, the life. Our alabaster box, our life, allegiance to is what we give to him. Purity, holiness, is his word renews. Though others mock with scorn the precious oil we give, the king demands from all of us a holy life to live. In order for this oil to flow, a breaking must occur. It comes when we give up our plans, his wisdom to procure. And so the life of these two women have impacted me a lot. And as, as we study the characters in the Bible, God put them in there for a purpose, to teach us endurance in this life, uh, the blessings, give us warnings of which direction not to take, and to give us hope and to give us peace. We can walk in his peace because his name is faithful. His name is true. And he is coming again soon. He is coming, and we need to be prepared. He's preparing a bride without spot or wrinkle. And we only prepare by waiting before him, knowing his voice, knowing his purpose, knowing his word, and sharing it with those around us. So we just thank the Lord for all he's doing in each of our lives. We're each unique, and we're each bought with a price, his precious blood. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm Errol, you got to press um, star six so you can come back on. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Am I on? Amen. Well, here, here's Errol. Amen. <laughs> here's Errol. Here's Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Precious words this morning from Betty and Elvis and Lois. Hallelujah. Lois, you know, she's a psalmist. I don't know how many things she's written down in music form, but she's definitely a psalmist. Hallelujah. One of many, many giftings that she has. Glory to God. 
I'm going to go in a, you know, I had a friend the other night, and in fact, it was just last night, and called me quite late last night, and we were conversing, and he said that Jonathan Kahn just came out with a new book. And uh, he couldn't remember the name of it, and I said, well, I'll, I'll look it up. And uh, this morning I got up, and I guess one of the one of the first things I do to is I check my email to see if anybody loves me, right? And uh, <laughs> and uh, Sid Roth has a special thing on Jonathan Kahn, and so I clicked on it, and Jonathan Kahn's new book is called The Josiah manifesto and I thought how unique because on Thursday night uh, we turned to the book of second Kings and we started studying Josiah and how the things that he did brought forth revival and so it's like well hallelujah Jonathan Kahn is in the same flow of the spirit as is uh, we are <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm, uh, so I'm putting a I'm putting a plug in here for Jonathan Kahn's new book called uh, Josiah Manifesto. There's so many people that call themselves prophets, and they are not. But Jonathan Kahn is truly a prophet of God. So I put a plug in for for his uh, materials. Bless the Lord. I want to talk this morning about the workers of iniquity. The workers of iniquity, the unredeemable. The workers of iniquity, the unredeemable. I always go into things that most people don't even consider, but that's okay. It's just uh, how unique everybody is. Amen. So, Father, I just commit this uh, message on to you. I commit this teaching, whatever it is, on to you, that you be glorified, that you open our hearts, that you open our minds to the understanding of your word, even as the two walk down the road of Emmaus and you open their understanding. We ask, Lord, that you open our understanding on a daily basis while we're awake and even while we sleep, that you release dreams and visions and trances to us once again, that you open this word to us in ways and understandings that we've never had before. And it's in Jesus' precious name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. So we're going to open this up in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I hope you all have a paper and pencil and copy down these verses. There's going to be, a, a, a again, a, a lot of verses that I go through. And uh, some of them you, you can certainly turn to. And there's a whole lot more that I could have gone with, but I've kept this as uh, compact as I 
possibly could. And uh, yet at the same time, it's going to be quite uh, eye-opening, I hope. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Some translations say between your offspring and her offspring. But whether it's offspring or whether it's seed, it's the same thing. There is a seed of Satan. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today is the seed of Satan, the workers of iniquity. And we're going to bring this from the Old Testament and see how consistent it is in the Old Testament, but we're also going to bring it into the New Testament and also see how consistent it is in the New Testament. So in Genesis 3.15, it talks about between you and the woman, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So Satan has a seed. If we go to chapter 4, verse 1, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I want you to earmark Cain here because we're going to refer to him a little bit later here. Chapter 5 of Genesis, and I'm going to be taking all of this uh, out of the New King James. Chapter 5, verse 3. Well, we'll take it in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 5. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. In verse 3, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. It was no longer after the image of God. It was after the image of Adam, after the image of Adam in his fallen nature. No longer in the image of God. And that's why we all need to be born again. Nobody is born a Christian. doesn't matter how sanctified your parents are. Everybody is born into sin because of the fallen nature of Adam, the original sin of Adam. That's why we all must be born again. It was only Jesus that was without sin. It was only Jesus that was without disobedience. It was only Jesus without rebellion. It was only Jesus without transgression. So if we go to chapter 6 of Genesis, chapter 6 of Genesis, verses 1 through 4, now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, 
the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also afterwards. When the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. This word giants, I'm sure all of you know, is the word Nephilim. You don't have to go to 2 Samuel 21, but I'm going to bring that out. 2 Samuel 21, verses 15 through 22, we find that even after the flood, the Nephilim were around. We have, in the scripture, we have after the flood, we have names such as the Rephaim, the Anakim, the Imim, E-M-I-M, however you pronounce it. I'm sorry, I don't, you know, we, we all struggle with uh, some of these Old Testament names and Mideastern names. Zamzumaman and the Rapha, which was Goliath. You'll find in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 through 24, that each one of those giants were the Rapha, which is the Rephaim. So we have the Nephilim, we have the Rephaim, we have the Anakim, the Emim, and the Zamzumim. And that's five different classifications of these giants. They're all related to the Nephilim, but it was the seed of Satan that caused them. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13. I thought it was rather unique that Elvis had already read a portion of scripture out of what I was going to do. And so Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, the parable of the wheat and tares. Another parable he put forth to them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed which is sperma, in his field. Good seed, which is sperma. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed, which is sperma, in your field, how then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, 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 Gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's drop down to verse 36 of chapter 13. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, 
and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. How many know that it's important that when we don't understand something, we come to Jesus. We come to the Holy Ghost and ask him to give us an understanding. It doesn't do any good to turn to commentaries. It doesn't do any good to see what your pastor says or what your priest says or what one of your friends say. We're to go to the Holy Ghost and ask him. Go to Jesus and ask him what he means. Verse 37, and he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The good seed is the good sperma. He who sows the good sperma is a son of man. And who's the son of man? Jesus. Verse 38, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. You can't have sons without seed. So the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Verse 39, the enemy who sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. Are we in the end of the age yet? Well, we're getting there, right? And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Try to fit that into what you believe or have been taught in end times. It doesn't mesh especially here in the United States with the vast majority of Pentecostal, charismatic, Baptist, Protestant teaching. But I turn to the word of God rather than what other people have been teaching. Hallelujah. There's no sons without seed. And so I'm talking about the workers of iniquity. I'm talking about the seed of Satan. And he said, first, first, the tares, the seed of Satan, is going to be bound into burnt bundles, and they will be burned, and then afterwards gather the wheat into the barn. So if we go into John, I'll try to keep this in, in kind of an order here, John 670. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 70. And Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is the devil? If we go to chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus is speaking to a group of Jews. who claimed that Abraham was their father. 
and verse 44, Jesus. This isn't written in black if you have a red and black translation with the words of Jesus in red. This is not spoken by anybody other than Jesus himself. God himself is speaking this. Emmanuel is speaking this. The creator of heaven and earth is speaking this to these Jews who were confronting him. Verse 44 of chapter 8, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. See, there's a lot of people that say, well, just because they're Jews, 100% of them are saved. That's not what Jesus said. If their father is the devil, he's not talking about all of the Jews. He's talking to those that were confronting him at that time, those that were face-to-face with him at the time. He said, you are of the father, your devil. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. And we're going to start this in verse 6. Now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. So here's a Jew that he was a false prophet. He was a He was a sorcerer. Just because people are Jews does not mean they are saved. Who is with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of the Lord, word of God. But Eliamus the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done. It's important that signs and miracles and wonders be performed on a daily basis. It's important. But look what verse 12 says. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of who? The Lord. It wasn't the teaching of Paul. It wasn't the teaching of anybody but the Lord, because Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke as the Holy Ghost gave him utterance. To this Jew 
who was he was one of the workers of iniquity. Let's go to First John three nine. I keep uh, just a little uh, side note here. I occasionally hear a cupboard slamming or door slamming or something. As everybody should be on mute other than myself, I think. So whoever is not on on the mute, uh, mute your phone. Thank you very yeah, much. It started, Lord bless you. Uh, press star six. Whoever is doing that, only arrows um, should be speaking right now. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. First John chapter three, starting in verse nine. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Again, we're looking at the children of God and the children of the devil. The devil cannot have children unless he has seed. The devil cannot have offspring unless he has seed. And so here it's talking about the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. I mentioned back in uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, to remember Cain. He was Adam's firstborn son, but he was also of the wicked one. He was also the seed of Satan. And people get a little bit shocked about that. The wicked one is one of the workers of iniquity. So the workers of iniquity are the sons and the daughters of Satan, of the devil. They're called sons of Belial. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 13, I'm just going to give you a couple references here. I'm not going to go through all of them. But Deuteronomy chapter 13 is the first time we come across it. And it's an easy scripture to remember. It's Deuteronomy 13, 13. Reading out of the New King James, it says, Certain corrupt men have gone out from amongst you have go- and grasped that. Certain corrupt men, which is the sons of Belial, certain corrupt men, certain sons of the Belial, have gone out from amongst you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, gods whom you have not known. If we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, and what accord has Christ with Belial? 
or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Now, just because a person is an unbeliever does not mean that they're sons of Belial, okay? But Belial here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, is specifically speaking, Belial is specifically speaking of Satan. I'll give you two more references. We're not going to turn there, but you can just write these down. Judges 19, verse 22. Judges 19, verse 22. And Judges 20, verse 13. They also talk about the sons of Belial. And you'll find that they're perverted, corrupt people. Our world, how many know that our world is filled with a bunch of perverted, corrupt people today? Some of these people, the reason they're so perverted and so corrupt is because they are part of the seed of Satan and they are unredeemable. Now, when we talk about Colossians chapter 3, talks about the sons of disobedience. Colossians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you also walked when you lived in them. So the sons of disobedience are not the sons of Satan. The sons of disobedience are not the workers of iniquity. We were all sons of disobedience until we came to Christ. So the sons of disobedience are not the sons of Belial. It's important to make that variation, that that distinction. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says the same thing. Ephesians 2, 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Okay, so I'm starting in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works now in the sons of disobedience. So the sons of disobedience are influenced by the enemy, they're influenced by the prince of the power of the air to do that spirit, to do the things of disobedience. But the sons of disobedience, all of them are redeemable. They were all dead in trespasses and sins. All of us were dead in trespasses and sins until we were born again. And up until the time we were born again, we were dead in trespasses and sins, and we were sons of disobedience because we were being influenced by a spirit that we had no control over, we had no power over, and we just did what he did until, praise God, somebody came along and preached to us the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we can be born again, that we can be freed from Uh, trespasses and sins, and we can become sons of God. Translated from the 
kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his, of his love, Jesus Christ. So it's only Jesus who is without sin. It was only Jesus who is without disobedience. It was only Jesus who is without rebellion. It was only Jesus without transgression. It was only Jesus without iniquity. That's why we all need to be born again sometime in our life before we pass into eternity. So there's these two terminologies throughout Scripture, the wicked and the workers of iniquity. And the wicked have a very wide application. It can also apply to us when we were sons of disobedience. But the wicked can also apply to the workers of iniquity. So the wicked has a very wide application. So when we're reading the Old Testament, and we're going to be going into some verses here in the, in the Old Testament, when we're reading the Old Testament, sometimes the wicked is equated with the workers of iniquity, but sometimes they're not. So we always have to, you know, we don't want to make a, a broad brush uh, uh, painting that all the people that are called wicked are the workers of iniquity. That's not right, okay? Some are. And so we're going to be looking at just a few of these verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So let's go to Job chapter 31. Job chapter 31. There's many, many more scriptures than what I'm going to be using, but this will be hopefully opening up hearts and understandings as to the workers of iniquity. Job chapter 31, verse 2 and 3. For what is the allotment of God from above and the inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for the workers of iniquity? And I really want to highlight the workers of iniquity, but we're also going to be uh, touching on the wicked. Let's go to Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5, verse 5. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. Let's go to Psalm 28. Verse 3. Psalm 28, verse 3. Do not take me away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors, but evil is in their heart. Let's go to verse 30. Uh, let's go to uh, Psalm 37, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 37, verses 1 and 2. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Again, I want to really highlight the workers of iniquity. Let's go to Psalm 94. Psalm 94, verse 3. Psalm 94, verse 3. 
and 4. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? They utter speech and they speak insolent things. All the workers of iniquity boast in themselves. So here we we see where in verse 3 and verse 4 how the wicked and the workers of iniquity are the same group of people. So like I said, the wicked has a very wide application, but there's sometimes that the wicked are actually uh, the same group as the workers of iniquity. The workers of iniquity are always the same group, but the wicked has a wide application. But here we find that the wicked and the workers of iniquity are the same. Let's drop down to verse 20 in Psalm 94. Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? Wow. Now we find that the workers of iniquity also have a throne of iniquity. Wow. Let's go to Psalm 125. We'll find out a little bit more. Psalm 125, verse 3. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. So we not only find that the workers of iniquity, that there's a throne of, of, of iniquity, but we also find that there's a scepter of wickedness, a scepter of, of iniquity. Drop down to verse 5 in Psalm 125. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. So again, we have two groups of people. We have the the crooked, and we have the workers of iniquity. The crooked are all redeemable. They don't have to stay in that condition. But they can be turned aside and follow after the workers of iniquity. But the crooked are redeemable. So they're not in the same category as the workers of iniquity, but the workers of iniquity can lead them astray. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 29. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. So I, I want to keep focusing on this terminology of the workers of iniquity. And we looked at several passages in the Old Testament. Let's turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And we're going to see how it flows right back into the New Testament. So it's not only an Old Testament terminology, it's a New Testament terminology also. In Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 22. Then, let's see, and he went through the cities, he being Jesus, went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying through, toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? 
And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and not be able. Again, this is Jesus saying, I say to you, will seek to enter. They're actually seeking to enter, and they will not be able to. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us, and he will answer and say to you, I, don't, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Then there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves are thrust out. In verse 26, he said, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. Just because you have been in the presence of God, and just because you know the presence of God, does not mean that you are saved. Just because he touched you and healed you does not mean you are right with God. It's like the ten lepers. Jesus healed all ten of the lepers, but only one came back and gave him praise. That was only one-tenth that came back and gave him praise. There's people that come to the services, kind of like what Elvis was saying earlier, these workers of iniquity is consistent from Old Testament to New Testament, and yes, they are even in your church, even in our church organizations. They're in our neighborhoods. They're in our areas. There's politicians that are workers of iniquity because they are making evil laws. And those politicians that make evil laws are the workers of iniquity. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. One that you all know, but it's always good to Continue in, in the Word of God, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 12 through 15. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things which, of which they boast. See, again, there's all kinds of false prophets and false apostles that are out on the internet and they're writing books and they're all kinds of things. They're calling themselves prophets. They're calling themselves apostles. And many people are following after them because they say that they're an apostle and they say that they're a prophet, but in reality, they're false brethren because all they're doing 
is they're seeking a desire and opportunity to be regarded just as Paul was. In verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, his ministers, his ministers, these workers of iniquity, his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. Verse 22. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to wallowing in the mire. Let's go to first John. First John chapter four, verse one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. See, there's all kinds of false apostles, false prophets, false brethren. Paul talked about in in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talked about all of his struggles that he went through. And in in many of those false, or not many of those false, they they were true, but he said, From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Paul was stoned. When they stone a person, they're killed. So Paul was raised from the dead at least once. Three times I was shipwrecked at night and a day, and I have been in the deep, journey in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, and perils of my own countrymen, and perils of the Gentiles, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils amongst false brethren. So there's false prophets, there's false apostles, and there's false brethren. And they're even amongst us, in the fellowships, in the churches. And they project that they are apostles. They project that they are prophets. They project that they are brethren but they're not. And that's why we need to be led of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to know the word of God, and especially in this day and age. The seed of Satan, the sons of Belial, these children of the devil, they are unredeemable. Satan and the third of the angels that fell with him can never be redeemed. They have been cast out forever and ever and ever. And the seed of Satan that even was Cain was one of the seed of Satan. He was one of the sons of the wicked one. They cannot be redeemed. So wrapping this up, I'm not saying your spouse is of the seed of Satan. (laughs) But then, maybe, as with Cain and Abel, 
It could be your own children. <laughs> Just kidding. But but then maybe. See, we don't understand this whole scenario. The sons of the kingdom of God and the sons of the kingdom of darkness. There's a group in the sons of the kingdom of darkness that cannot be redeemed. They are the workers of iniquity, and they are amongst us. And there could be many, there are few, many, I don't know, that stand behind pulpits. They maybe even have large churches. They have large followings. But it doesn't mean that they're following after God. They are preaching another Jesus. When Jesus said you have to be born again, he said you must, you must, you must be born again. Any church that does not teach you must be born again, get out of it. Get out of it now. Because they're workers of iniquity that are standing behind there. They're false teachers. They're false prophets. They're false apostles. They're false shepherds. And Jeremiah chapter 23 has much to say about false shepherds. So I wrap this up, that there is a group of people called the workers of iniquity. They are unredeemable. The workers of iniquity are the seed of Satan, and they're tares that are planted amongst us. But those tares will be ripped out first and will be cast into the fire with weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. So I end this. Again, there's far more scriptures that I could have shared out of Proverbs and out of the Old Testament, out of the Psalms that talk about the wicked and the workers of iniquity. But I hope this grabs a hold of you. I don't want everybody to go around with suspicion and looking at everybody with suspicion. But at the same time, the reality is there are workers of iniquity even amongst us and even in our fellowships. They feast with us. With us. They have enjoyed the presence of God, but they do not walk in holiness. They continue to walk in trespasses and sin. They do not want anything to do with God. It doesn't mean, again, if they're sons of disobedience, Maybe they don't want anything to do with God today, but perhaps tomorrow or next month or next year, something's going to happen and they're going to be on a road of, of, uh, of Damascus and they're going to have an encounter with God and they're going to be translated out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Even as Lois shared on Lydia, that her whole household, but the whole household has to hear just like with Cornelius, his whole household had to hear the word and respond to the word. They all had to repent. And they all had to be born again. And so I commit this back onto the word of God, onto the spirit of the living God, that anything that I have said that is not of truth, strike it from the mind, strike it from the heart, do not even allow it to enter in. But that which is of the truth, that which is of the heart of God, let it go forth and bring forth fruit unto holiness 
in Jesus' name, because without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And holiness is not a book of do's and don'ts. Holiness is wrapped up in loving God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. And I turn this back over to Elvis. Hallelujah. I just want to talk for a little bit. Hallelujah. This is such an um, important topic that um, Errol talked about today. And not that I'm, you know, I'm just going to add to that. Um, hallelujah. In um, John chapter 8, verse 47, hallelujah, it says, He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, yeah. you do not hear because you are not of God. Well, there are a lot of people, you know, I've asked, one time I asked this one lady, says, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And she's been going to church all her life. And she said to me, no one never asked me that. Wow. No one never asked me of that. See, when the word is preached, if, if if you do not understand the word, see, when you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit. Even before the baptism of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, hallelujah, and that, and that, and that, that the, the, the Spirit bears witness. The Spirit bears witness. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, and, and and I, one thing is is you know you could be somebody living in the boondocks somewhere, and you came to know Christ. Um, the Holy Ghost will begin to lead you and guide you. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Even if there's no church there at all, the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you and guide you. Hallelujah. And so when people when you preach the word or teach the word, says, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. You know, the, the Bible says that those who receive us have the spirit of truth. Those, you know, those that receive, those that hear us have the spirit, and those who do not receive us, receive our, hear our words, they are have the spirit of error. In John... Three, verse 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, you look at that born again is born from above. Born from above. Born from above. Born from above. Amen? Born from above. And so a lot of people have prayed the sinner's prayer, and they never... There is no conversion. You know, they just go their own way. Um, there's not like a solid um, conversion, okay? And um, and so there's um, three types, okay, three types of um, people, belief systems out there, okay, on salvation. Well, there's universal salvation, well, Christian universalism leads to more universalism, leads to progressive progressiveness, and and um, you know, you start interpreting the Bible the way the atheists interpreted the Bible, 
It's very easy to point foolish people out because of the way they interpret the Bible. And and so universal salvation is is, is you know is, you you don't do anything and all that, you know you just and and um and and um so there's some good preachers that that are in, in history that that were universal salvation, okay, and we're talking about Christian universal salvation. But in, the problem with that that leads to more salvation and progressiveness when they say that the Bible is not the Word of God. You know that the whole entire Bible, and then they and they interpret the Bible differently. And so then there is conditional salvation, which is based upon your strength. Then there is, um, you know, you know, like, um, and that's the thing is, is you're always trying to um, build up your way, build this up, do this and that, and and um, you know, like like you think you you know next week you lose your salvation. And, and then you gain your salvation when you go up the altar call and all that. You cannot lose your salvation, okay, and gain your salvation. You know, you, you you become born again. You become born again. How do you have been illuminated? How do you? Glory to God. You have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth will lead you and guide you in all truths. And then there is reconciliation, salvation, and that is your response to what Christ has done. Christ did the work and you respond. But even that response is a gift of God. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. Even that faith is a gift from God. I have preached to people and and they never changed. Okay? They never changed. I have preached to Christians and they have never changed. They have never changed. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has risen him from the dead, you will be saved. And with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, because you shall be saved. Hallelujah. There is a conversion. There is a transference. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You, you're, you're, you're not in one... You, you have moved to another camp. The, the word ecclesia means called out, separated. You are called out individually, and we are called out culpably. Hallelujah. The church cannot act like the world. The church cannot act like the world. The church cannot please the world and please God at the same time. In Philippians, um, Philippians chapter two, here it says here, Amen, Hallelujah. Verse nine: Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, and that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under there, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of God the Father. Well, in the book of Acts, it talks about there's only one name in heaven and earth that's given where men must be saved. is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. But here, this is talking about, in Philippians, it's talking about eventually everyone will confess. This is honoring the worship of Jesus Christ. You are being, um, uh, is a conquering king. Jesus Christ shall return as a conquering king. This Philippian is not talking about salvation. 
Okay? Everyone will confess. Everyone at that time. Everyone. This is not talking about universal salvation. Amen. So let's, amen. Let's go to um, Revelation 22. Hallelujah. Revelation 22. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, it says, um, Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do the commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, that they may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, and murderers, and, and idol worshipers who love and practice a lie. They're outside the gate. They're outside the gate. They're outside the gate. You know, and, and see, the gate shall not be shut all the day. There will shall be no light there. Well, I believe in this time that we are in a very crucial time in the church that, that almost every denomination, including the Roman Catholic Church, will come to an end. Okay? The church has to rise okay, and must be glorified. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. And then I saw a group of people rise in our time. Rise in our time on type of religion. And and, and 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 they will this is a you know, this is not scripture right now, this is what God showed me. And they will worship demonology. Their their sanctuary will be like the tabernacle, the outer court. The, the outer court is where they will meet and talk and share. And, and, and they will have a, uh, their book will be, will, will be like different demons that they'll call upon. Demonology. The, the inner court will be where, where they, um, well, the outer court also will be for sacrifices. And the inner court will be um, where, where there's orgies and, and, and stuff that goes on because it's demonic, okay? Demonic, and and um, and then the and then the the most the most holy place, what is the most unholy place, will be where they talk and communicate and talk with demons, and all these these people will not be redeemed. And see, and see, the thing is, we get to the millennium, okay? There is a group of people that's still in the millennium that have not repented; they're still there. Okay, and, and and they're never going to repent, and, and and so we rule and reign with Jesus Christ, Hallelujah. And and but they have to stay; they have to follow our laws. But they're but they are in their their district. They they have to stay in their district. Okay, and and um, but the thing is, they won't believe it. They know that Jesus Christ is real. They know that God is real. That they won't give their life. They will not surrender. Okay. Okay, and then and then and then Jesus returns, hallelujah. Amen. And and and, and the, the, we're in eternity, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The gates are open. You have these people out there. Why are these people still there? So everyone is not cast in the lake of fire. This is they're not cast in the lake of fire. Everyone 
hasn't got, you know, of course when these people die, whatever, you know, but the thing is, they're out there as a sign to the believer that you will be thankful and grateful that God granted you repentance, that God chose you. And that's why they, that, that's why God will have them remain. But see, remember, the gate is open, and they never want to come in. They, they never come in. I believe in this time, there's going to be so much signs and wonders, and there will be no atheists, but people will just choose not to accept Jesus Christ. They will choose not to, but there will be no evidence against Christ. There will be no atheists. Hallelujah, glory to God. But the thing is, that's why we must be thankful that Christ chose us, that Christ chose us, not prideful, humble. Hallelujah, that he chose us and he had mercy upon us, mercy upon us. The thing is, God gives free will. You know, one thing is, is one thing the Lord showed me, be careful who you marry. This is those who are single. Be careful who you marry, because you may marry those, okay? These people that will have this religion of demonology, they won't be able to redeem. And, they, and these, are the, these are the beginning of the people, and, they're, and, they're, and their descents are in the millennium. And they cannot be redeemed. Be, be careful not to... To, to have relations with these people because then your children will not be able to be redeemed. Hey, don't play with God. Do not play with God. Hey, make sure who you marry is a true believer in Jesus Christ. I tell people, I said, you know, when you find um, people that I counsel, I minister, when you find a mate, bring them to me. I can discern whatever statement that's in them. They don't listen, and then they marry somebody, and, and they divorce within a year. It's like hell on earth. Hell on earth. And they didn't listen because they could not discern those spirits in people's lives. Because people, you know, they, you know, the thing is, um, these doors are open. And, and thank God when we become born again, the fire of God comes in and burn that junk out of us, and we become a new creation. Hallelujah. And if you're a new creation, the old has passed, the new has become. And so, I want to pray this prayer. If you do not know Jesus Christ out there, if you do not know Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer for the backsliding Christians too. Hallelujah. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you have forgiven my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Every man name the lines of like you have me. I ask you to come in my heart and live and abide with me forever. I confess you, Lord. I confess you as Savior. Let me be born again. Let me be born again. Let me be a new creation. Oh, God, I totally surrender my life to you. Save me now in Jesus' name. And if you are a backslidden Christian, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Heal me all my backslidden ways. Set me free from false doctrines. Set me free from emotional trauma. Set me free from rejection, oh, God. Plant me in a biblical church. Plant me in a church where I will find love and acceptance so I can grow as a Christian so my roots will grow deep. Restore me and I repent and set me free from spirits of error, depth, dumb, spirits, doctrine, demons, deucing spirits. Oh, God, and Lord, help me 
to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Everyone can come back on. You're still here. Press star six to come back on. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But that's one thing the Lord showed me. So that's really, it's really, um, you know, you don't always get the goody, goody, goody messages of hallelujah. Sometimes God shows you stuff that, that you don't want to share, share hallelujah. But but sometimes you've got to share those things to warn people, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Glory to God, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this time of ministry. Thank you for this. Thank you for this fellowship of God with, with Lois and Errol and, and Betty and and myself. And thank you, Lord, um, these three groups of God in Phoenix, Arizona, and Omaha, Nebraska, and Laramore, North Dakota, and Lord, the other people you're bringing, just as yeah. Christy Sam, Hallelujah, from the from from India, and 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 my um, people from Canadio, uh, the Philippines, Hallelujah, and Lord God, and the people that have been listening from Germany and France and Ireland, Hallelujah, and those that mm-hmm. even from China that have been listening, and those from Canada that have been listening. Hallelujah, Lord, we speak many blessings. We speak many blessings. We pray, Lord God, that you awaken us to the fire of God. We pray for covid tongues of fire to come in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for a manifestation of revival fire, God. We pray that you activate the revival anointing. Lord, we pray for outpouring of many breakthroughs and many miracles. We pray, Father, for household salvation of God. We pray, Lord God, that you will excel that you will um, bring forth breakthroughs in Laramore, in, in Phoenix, mm-hmm. Arizona, in Omaha, in in, in mm-hmm. Canadio, Philippines, and in, in, in India, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we speak grace, 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 oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And Father God, Lord, we pray for our bodies. And I pray for everyone who, who's um, listening to this, wherever you're listening to this. God, we radical healing, healing anointing, healing laws right now in the name of Jesus. Renew our, renew help, renew our strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. And Father God, we just pray that for anyone that's been influenced, we, we pray, God, touch them abundantly. In the name of Jesus, because we pray for the touch of God in Jesus. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you'll begin to speak to us. At, you know, because we are a, you know, we're, we're in three places. We're, we're Technically, we're in four or five, we're in five places, including the Philippines and India. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because I know... They're listening, hallelujah. Amen, because they listen by the podcast afterwards, hallelujah. And Father God, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, that you begin to speak to us in dreams and visions. And it will begin to flow as as a as a as a as a community, oh God, hallelujah. And you'll begin to speak to us in the nighttime, in the daytime, in our mm-hmm. prayer time, and that, that we begin to flow. And God, Lord, I pray. Mm-hmm that you'll begin to taste and see, that you'll begin to manifest the presence of God and just intense and revival among us. And there'll be signs and wonders of God. And I pray, Lord, that there be bringing forth the coals of revival. Bring forth the, we pray for harvests of souls. Lord, add to us, mm-hmm. add to us in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God. Mm-hmm. Lord, the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise, O oh God. Well, Lord God, we need some wisdom right now. We need some wisdom right now. We need some wisdom. Give us breakthrough in this area, God. 
in the name yes. of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 